Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. So yeah, so anyway, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Yeah, there's another there's another thing as well that, that I've always wanted the number plate. O W L one N, which which is Owling. Yes, Owling. I've always wanted it, and uh, it's never been issued. And I wrote to DVLA, and they've now issued it. And it's but you've got but it's in an auction. You've got to bid for it because they're they're bastards, you know. Ooh. So they've issued it. The auction is today. It finishes at three twenty, which would have been slap bang in the middle of my Polish phoner. Uh, which is another reason this whole thing's been a pain in the ass. Anyway, I've moved it. To, I've moved it to tomorrow now. The Polish phoner. You can't move the DVLA auction. Right. Uh, obviously, nobody can do that. Probably even Rishi Sunak couldn't do that. Um, so there we are. So I haven't bid yet because I'm keeping my powder dry. But it started at five hundred quid and it's at two thousand and twenty now. So that means at least two people are after it yes. because they're bidding one another up. If it was yes. one person, it'd be at 500. Yes. So there's obviously two of them on it, at least, if not more. And of course, I, being a, a wily old fox, I haven't bid at all because I've bid on eBay a lot. Uh, of course, now I've found a little thing in the small print that says in order to stop that kind of thing going on, you know, these people who steam in the, during the last five seconds with the higher bid, uh, they've got sliding end times. And if you if you make a bid within the the last half hour of the auction, they add half an hour to the auction. Ooh. You know, to Ooh. give everybody chance. To, to Which make... I suppose is how a normal auction works, isn't it? Because if you're in a normal auction, they carry on going, don't they? If you're in the room together, yeah, then whoever yeah. bids most wins. It's not about whoever bids quickest and last. No. Um, so I don't know what I'll do. I mean, I'm. I mean, it's what I'll do is I'll is I'll I'll bid two and a half grand, highest bid. And forget all about it. And if I win it, I win it great. And I could drive around with the owling written on my car for the rest of my life. Uh, and if I don't, I'll say, you know, it's all a wank. That, and I hate people with personalised number plates. So that, that there are my two possible, <laughs> your t- two possible scenarios <laughs> coming out today. The only other thing I pondered, which it's too late to do now, was to get the purples to crowdfund the entire thing and win it for me. But I just decided I couldn't be that cheap. 
Okay, there's a few things in that. Firstly, I think the, the crowdfund idea is brilliant. Because <laughs> they'd, okay. they'd have done it, no matter what uh, it cost. Absolutely. Everybody would chuck to be good in to, to do it. So I think that, that would have been brilliant. I think there's a couple of flaws in what you've just said there. Uh, okay. The whole concept that you'll bid something and then forget about it if you don't win it, right? Yeah. Having gotten a slight insight into your personality, <laughs> that is no way that is happening. No, no way that is happening. <laughs> this is going to come up regularly. Yeah, yeah forever. Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> so there, there's the the other problem is the other problem is does it matter how much it costs? And <gasps> by that, don't I mean, say that. Yeah. No, but no, but no. But there, here's the reason for saying it, right? Yeah. So let's say you pay. Let's say. And it comes down to cash flow, but let's say you win and you win it for eight grand, right? Yeah. Just for, for shits yeah. and giggles. Which, yeah. So that's what it's worth. In 10 years' time, it's still worth that. All right. So in reality, it's... If I was to sell it... It doesn't matter. You know, if that's what the, the world thinks it's worth, then that's what that's technically what it's worth. Oh, Oh, that's so at a which dangerous point, thing. is this an investment? Is this an investment <laughs> is what I'm saying to you. It'll yeah. bring you joy and happiness. Yeah. Are you saying all this because it's my money and not yours? No, I'm actually no. being quite... I'm actually saying if it's something that will bring you joy and happiness in your life and there are so few things that bring people real, real joy and happiness in their lives and it's going to make <laughs> you smile for the rest of your life, <laughs> then yeah. does it matter because it has an... In- Inherent value, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It doesn't become worthless tomorrow. You no, haven't flushed that's true. 10 grand away tomorrow. You've bought something that's worth 10 grand, and the chances are it will appreciate in value and not depreciate in value. Well, where is there a place where one can sell these things? Yeah, you can. Yeah, there's plenty can of you? places that will sell just them for you. Go to wherever and go yeah. sell this. Yeah, there's plenty of places to sell them is for you. But, but it will always have a value. Mm. If, and look, how many people will have asked about this? I mean, realistically, if you'd said to me it was going for twenty grand, I'd have believed you. Now, right? I'd have believed you. So the, you know, so <coughs> then it just comes down to: Have you got the amount of money we're talking about? And if it was two hundred and fifty grand, I would probably be suggesting possibly not. No, but otherwise if, I would have bought a yacht with staff. Yeah, exactly. On the grounds that it would bring me happiness. <laughs> but but if this will bring you happiness and tootling around. <laughs> for the for the for the you know in, I with, can't decide whether I'll feel like a wanker as well. Um, well, you know. there's only one way to find out. Yeah, that. I, I mean, what you're going to do instantly? <laughs> what you are going to do instantly is you're going to you're going to probably quadruple the value of your car. Well, what from from a tenner to forty quid? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, whatever your car's worth, it could potentially be worth six or eight grand more tomorrow by the very virtue of the plate that's on it. Yeah. Well, it'll be that. It'll be the whatever the plate's worth. It will be what my vehicle is worth because it's Plus currently it's worth. <laughs> my money's not worth a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even John the Albanian keeps saying. You should sell this car. And he comes from Romania, the shittest country in the world. So he, if he, if even he's telling me to sell my car, you know, it's, it's like Jed Clampett advising you to sell your truck. The one question you need to ask yourself, and I can't answer this, only you can yeah, answer yeah. this, right? Will it genuinely, will it genuinely bring you happiness? Now, you've mentioned this on a number of times. It's been on a number of episodes of this. I know. Will it genuinely bring you happiness? Because this is one of the few occasions where something ethereal almost, because let's face it, it's only a, it's only a, 
a thing. Yeah, I know. But it, but it could bring you genuine happiness. And if it does, bear in mind it won't lose a lot of money. Mm. You might not get it all back, but you get the vast majority of it back. Then what does it matter? I guess the point is we spend we spend our entire lives chasing stuff and consumerism is 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 a, a great thing, great invention to get us to do these things. But in most cases it doesn't bring us happiness. This actually could bring you happiness. It could. It could make could give me a little chuckle from time to time. It'll make you smile every time you get in the car. Mm. I could even could do be... a bit of owling on the roof of the mini. Yeah. Just for passers by. <laughs> So only you can answer that question. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Well, that's an interesting... I'm gl- am I glad we've had this conversation? I'm probably going to feel even more tortured if I don't win it now, after, after you've convinced me there are no negative aspects to, to owning it. Well, I mean, there's one negative aspect, which a large chunk of money will disappear out of your bank account, and you, the only time you get it back is when you sell it. Mm. That's the only negative. You're going to have to finance it. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of, in terms of, will you get? It's like a house. Will you get benefit from it? Yes, I will. Mm. Will it? Will it be? Will it bring me something every day? Yes, it will. Will it essentially have a value in a year's time, in two years' time, in three years? Yes, all of those things. It answers all those questions. In a way, mm. a car doesn't. You know, buy, no. buy a car, makes you smile great, but it's losing money every single day unless it's vintage. It's true, yeah. It is tr- true, Ant. That's very interesting, and I'm going to run that past the wife. Yes. But I'd the, prefer it if you didn't... I'd, mention your you name. Can you it as your idea? <laughs> Do you know, darling, Ant said this, <laughs> and I think it makes a lot of sense. What do you think? Should we start? Should we, should we do the old be- intro? We, be- we better add. I've built this up into such a deal now that in, in, when this go, when this actually goes to air, and I don't own Owlin, the, 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 the yeah, the shame will be compounded. I've All got, the- I've got to buy it now, no matter what it costs. <laughs> All we'll do is we'll send out. This will go out, and then there'll be a little message saying TCD is taking a slight, a slight break. We'll be back in the new year. <laughs> She's lying in a dark room. <laughs> he feels like how Liz Truss would feel if she had a conscience. If you notice that your patron fees have gone up purple by about 300%, then you'll know why. Yeah. You'll know where it's been yeah. diverted. Right, 187, isn't it? You. 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 I've put 188. That's the trouble. When you edit them, I lose track completely. Oh, we're on 187. Oh, okay then. Lovely. Let's go 187. Um, right, I'll have to change the name of my folder, which causes all kinds of hell with logic. Yeah. Uh, have you ever done that? Just change no, the name of something. But it does in Studio One as well. Yeah, it goes mental. Yeah, they don't like it, do they? No, they get no. very, very in the ump. Mm. Mm. Well, tell you what, while we, while we, before we start, while we quickly ch- talking, 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 I'll just check. I'll just go to Captivate, which is our podcast platform of uh, choice, choice listeners, uh, and I'll just double check. Our podcast platform, PPOC. Because it went out Our yesterday, Peapock. didn't it? It's 187. 186 was yesterday. Oh. 187. Oh, bugger me. Look at us checking. Yeah. That's the first. Hello and welcome to Chapter 187 of the Corona Diaries. Um, yes, hello, good evening. Uh. <laughs> Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good heavens. 
I thought you were going to go into a bit of Welsh then. <laughs> no, I was channeling Clement Freud at that oh, point. Oh, was that Clement Freud? Well, no, it wasn't, you know, but... Yeah. So it's the morning after... The morning after the day before, isn't it? It is. It is, yes. Yes, the last night of our tour in the, at the Roundhouse in Camden. And I was hoping you'd tell me how it was. Because well, I, I thought it was spectacular. Did you? Oh, mm. that's great. Does that mean you enjoyed it or it was just spectacular? It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a very interesting point, actually. Well, I got piss wet through queuing to get in. Oh, yeah, I've apologised for that. I mean, you probably Not haven't seen that. But I, uh, well, no, I've apologised for the flippant remarks I made during the show. <laughs> about well, I thought the flippant remarks were very funny. About leaving everyone outside on purpose. Um, <laughs> did think that was funny. <laughs> well, I'm glad you thought it was funny. <laughs> I did that thing where I woke up in the small hours going, oh, fuck, did I say that? You know, I often do those after 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 gigs. Well, I thought your introductions of the band were fairly unique. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that as well. They were they were very very good. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I I think as as I said to you in an earlier message, I was definitely hammered by the end of the evening. Now, at what point during the show that happened, uh, or whether it happened immediately after? I can't be certain, but I do know that I can't remember much about any of it. So that would imply that perhaps perhaps it started before the end of the gig. Well, I mean, I saw I, you about one o'clock in the uh, yeah. in, in the morning, and you were wankered at that point. I was, Anthony. I was because uh, you just had that smile thing. You just did that. You were just you were just literally giggling <laughs> at that point. The problem is, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. Um, no, I probably shouldn't on air because then certain certain people write in and go, I'm genuinely worried about your alcohol consumption. <laughs> and I don't want them freaking out thinking I'm an alcoholic because that would never do. No. Um, but no, the problem the problem is I, I, I probably had a couple of beers in the afternoon. Um because I, I do usually have a beer to steady my nerves for the sound check because I hate sound checks and mm. I find them real I find them more stressful than the shows especially after after we've done two or three shows and I'm feeling quite comfortable the sound checks still stress the living daylights out of me um, because there's always something in a sound check that you know that causes me extreme worry. There's usually Mark and Tommy, and and I hear something one of them said to the other, and it nearly makes my hair fall out with anxiety. You know, Tommy will just say something like, "Well, it wasn't doing that earlier." <laughs> you know, something like that. <laughs> oh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> or Mark will say, um, "Tommy, do you know where the um, backup hard drive was from?" Uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> And I feel my insides turn to water. <laughs> and sometimes they're quite innocent comments, but but I find them so stressful that uh, I, I need a drink to get through sound checks. So yes, yeah, so I usually have a drink. Uh, I usually have a beer either before sound check to face it, 
and then another one during a sound check to cope with it. So then I'm already two beers into the day. Um, before then, I'll have it usually go to bed and have a sleep. So you could argue I sleep those off a bit, but they're probably still ticking about my bloodstream. And then, and then to go on stage, I'll have uh, a fair amount of tequila and Red Bull. And then on stage during the performance, I'll I'll have probably as much again. Um, now, if I get any of that wrong, you know, then I'm, I'll I'll be uh, I'll go I'll go from that feeling of um, bonhomie, shall we say, uh, relaxed bonhomie, into being a bit you know pissed and not not on it. So, which you never want to be, um, and I know when I'm not on it, you know, I feel it, and then I start. Then the self-loathing starts. Mm. Um, I mean, there's so much of my job that is a mind game, um, and over the years I've come to 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 be quite good with that mind game, but it is still a mind game. There's there's always nerves and no, it's all right, and then no, it isn't, and then there's get it right, and then there's like, that's not right, it's ruined everything, and then no, it hasn't, don't be silly, nobody noticed, and all all of that stuff goes on inside me 50 times per song. There's there's some level of, 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 you know, neurosis, which is brought on by nerves and by care, and then brought on by external factors like things that should have been right not being right. It is a little bit of a hangover because these days you can trust Mark, but he is still capable of anything at any moment. But that's probably what he says about me. <laughs> well, the, do you know what? I ought to ask him. Remind me to ask Mark that. Um, <laughs> is the fact that H is capable of anything at any moment, does that worry you at all, ever? It'll probably go, no, I've never noticed. You see, it must worry them at some point because there are bits... I mean, I've seen you loads of times and there are, there, there, I, there's bits where there's a pause and I think, oh, this, this, is, this, this could be real comedy gold, this. He could really go off on one ear. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what happens next. There's a, there's a slightly elongated pause normally. And, and, you know, and you never really know where you're going to end up. Now, sometimes you hit comedy gold, as in... At the roundhouse, when you said, it looks like what would happen if you dropped a bomb on the Royal Albert Hall and rebuilt it really quickly. <laughs> Which I thought was was absolute... I was like, oh, shit, why didn't you say that on the podcast? <laughs> well, I just, I just happened to look up at the building and, the, and that thought struck me, you know, in, in the moment. It certainly wasn't prepared as a comic. But it was, it was absolute, absolute genius. Absolute genius. You know, but then you introduced the band, and I thought, "Wow, he's really freeforming this." <laughs> um, you know, um, going going back to the show, the set list I thought was astonishing. Oh, great! I'm great. A lot of people have said that across the tour. They've said, "What a great set list!" So that, it was a phenomenal set list. And of course, you never know when you're putting it together. You think, "Oh, this could be good." You know, oh, now we're going to have to leave that out. And, oh, there's nothing from that album, and oh, what are we going to, you know? So there's so much to ponder when you assemble these set lists. So you never know if you've got it right until people like yourself come back and say, "Wow!" No, so, it was a great set list. 
Absolutely right. stunning set list. Everything sounded great. It was paced beautifully. There was some real stuff in there that it was just lovely to hear. Map of the World's always lovely to hear. It's what a great mm. song. It comes across so well live. Well, that kind of happened halfway through because we. Why did we include Map of the World? And, uh, you know, even at the rehearsal stage, we thought, well, let's put Map of the World in. Um, and I think that's because we'd played it once somewhere on the last tour and it went down really well and we were all quite surprised. So we thought, well, let's stick Map of the World on the bench um, for because um, we'd got two nights in Utrecht. We didn't want to play the same show for two nights, so we thought, well, let's let's have two or three songs on the bench for, for Utrecht 2. Um, and Map of the World went down so well we we moved it in at the starting lineup, I think, and we we put we we'd been playing Lucky Man every night, and I think we took Lucky Man out. Did we play Lucky Man in? No, there? we didn't play Lucky nah. Man. Well, we played Lucky Man a lot on the tour, um, just because we haven't played that much, and it's a really cool song. And I I think I said on a podcast I'd had a listen to it. Mm. I'm going whoa. I don't remember this being this good. So we worked that up, and and that was sounding good. But then we did map of the we played map of the world on Utrecht too, and it went down really well. And people seemed genuinely, I don't know how to put it. I mean, because it is just a simple, straightforward bang along song with a with a good chorus. You know, it it doesn't turn left suddenly and no. into a no. some some. Uh, Diminished fifth minor key, um, you know, and and then it, it it doesn't do any weird shit, which is to some extent what what a lot of Marillion stuff does. So the occasional straightforward thing, uh, I guess, must must be a welcome thing. But it went down very well uh, every time we played it. So we we then sort of left it in, um, and. Uh, some nights I would introduce it with the whole story of how it happened with with Megan sending me away um, with the with my various lyric attempts and and Megan going no 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 I think you could write something better than that and and that was all because he'd seen that you two do it to Bono on uh, the Joshua Tree and uh, he so that I think that had given him the balls to do it to me. Um, and in the end, I went to Barbados, and Nick 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 Edon locked it, you know, with that with that chorus. Um, and Nick Ede's capable of writing an international zillion selling number one song. So, <laughs> um, I I brought it back and and wrote the verse for it. Um, so when yeah, it'd been going down really well, so we put it in. I think it's that's one of the reasons why I love. Uh, I wish Circular Ride got more of an outing and actually had made it to an album because I think that song fits in the similar sort of vein of it's a relatively simple song, but it's easy to sing along to. It's a great crowd pleaser. It works really well live. You know, Man of a Thousand Faces is a bit like that. Um, Thousand Faces yeah. is like that, but it's there's so much to Thousand Faces, and yes. there's that big thing at the end. Yeah. Which is again is great, but it's from my point of view, it's, there's always a little bit of like, oh god, not that, yeah. Because there's so much, I have to use so much energy up doing it, and if 
if that were not true of the rest of the show, it would be bad enough. But yeah. it's it's just like sticking a sprint on the end of a marathon, really, um, for me. So we've done it a lot. Mosley loves it. He's always campaigning. What about a thousand places? What about a thousand places? But um, I'm always a little bit, you know, I'll go with it if I'm outvoted. But I, it was it was nice to rest it, to be honest. The release is another one. Probably yeah. The reason why the fans like the release when it's played is because it just zips it, along and it's straightforward. Yeah. You know, it's and got it, a lot of energy to it, and you, you just, you know, you can just. To your point, when you did it on thing, you can clap all the way through it. You can yeah. just, you know. And they're in major keys, which, which I mean, most pop songs are in major keys. Major keys. And we write everything in minor keys because hmm. um, we just prefer the sound of them, I think. I think the band prefers the sound of a minor key. So just about everything we ever do, if you were to scrape all our jams off the floor or wherever they ended up, you know, 95% of them would be in minor keys. Hmm. And that five percent of them would would be in major keys, but they'd be at the bottom of the bin because they'd have gone in there first. It's like Ooh, in the bin with that, you know, far too jolly. But I th- I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I just thought set list amazing, absolutely superb. You know, really really worked, paced really really well. Uh, I I actually thought sounds that can't be made was as good as I'd ever heard it. I can only rem- remember a handful of gigs where I could hit those falsettos in the silent and high. Um, and for this entire tour, that was eff- <coughs> effortless. Um, who knows? You know, you've either got it... Well, <laughs> I was going to say you've either got it or you haven't, which sounds a bit modest. What I mean is you've either got falsetto on the night or you haven't, yeah. and there's, it's there for you or it isn't. And, you know, having spent seven months with none whatsoever... I, I treasure the fact that it seems to have come back with a vengeance. You know, it seems to have come back um, Teflon coated and bulletproof. You know, it's come back in Kevlar, which is amazing, really. Uh, that's the title of the episode: Falsetto <laughs> in Kevlar. I like that. We'll have that. <laughs> but it was, it was your voice. Your voice was. You know, bear in mind what you'd done over the previous couple of weeks. Your voice was strong, you know, it was as strong at the end of King. I don't know what's happened, but it's definitely the strong, the strongest across a, a tour that it's ever ever been. So happy days. And the lights, my God, the lights in that venue. Mm. And the pictures as well. When you see the pictures framed with the pillars, because the, the pillars are a pain if you're, if you're watching. Mm. But when you see the imagery back... With the lights and the pillars and, and the way it's, it, it, it gives it a frame, it it really worked for some of the... Because I've seen so many good photos. And by the way, taken by pros and taken by just people in the crowd. Right. So there must, there's something about that venue that's really photogenic. Yes. Well, I, um, I think it gives, it gives an LD the opportunity to do certain things as well. I know that there were lights placed on every one of those pillars going straight up. Hmm. Um. I think he'd got blue lights on it when when, when I went out to sound check and it, it just looked lovely. Mm. So it gives it gives us an imaginative chap like uh, Jens, our, our magic LD, um, something to really work with, and and it's going to look different, which is nice. Mm. I I really 
I have to say, look, queuing up wasn't fun. And from a spectator's point of view, if you're behind a pillar, it's not fun. But I really liked the venue. I actually I thought it was unique and individual. Um, you know, I managed to get a McFlurry when I was walking back at nearly two in the morning on the way to my hotel, which is always a, always a you know, who doesn't want a Maltese and McFlurry at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> um, you know, so it was the, it was the all round perfect experience. Mm. Good. Well, I'm pleased because for me, I was probably just a little bit more focused and in control, and I actually thought I sang better in Wolverhampton at Wolverhampton Civic. They've refurbed Wolverhampton Civic for the last few years, and it's open again. And either by luck or judgment, they've improved the acoustics a lot, and the on-stage sound was fantastic there. Um, it was really clean and clear and controlled and, you know, the better you can hear everything, the the, the better you play because because you've got more detail and you're feeling better about it um, and you, you can be more subtle. Um, so from an audience point of view, they wouldn't, they maybe not even spot the difference. But from from me putting it out there, Wolves was the one for me. I mean, that might be one of the best I've ever sung. And looking at a venue like Roundhouse, you're not going to get that. They're not going to be able to clean the audio up in that that shape of that room. is going to be really difficult. Well, you know, if it, if anyone can get a good sound anywhere, it's Phil, and um, he'll have he'll have got out of that space or whatever could be got out of it. That's yeah, sure. I think what I was saying was, from your perspective, it'd be really hard to get a controlled monitor mixing say something like a venue that's, because i don't know how you would treat the roundhouse really because of its shape and because of mm. the way it is there's always going to be a spurious bits of sound to bounce around and what have yeah. you i thought the, the the sound in the venue sounded really good oh that's good, uh, good I, thought, I thought phil did an excellent job that's the other thing that the, the band has no notion of and and has to rely completely on 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 word of mouth afterwards is that how how did it sound because we're the only ones who don't know we have to ask um so it's always nice when you know a number of people come back so that sounded great out there because without them great, saying great. That, you don't know good and a great set list good should we go to should we go to a bit of diary should we go to three and a half words of diary <laughs> friday the 12th of so that's done then. Um, <laughs> we ought to put a bit in just for shit. Should we do one day? One yeah. day for shits and giggles? Yeah, of course. All right. Because I've got a few things to talk to you about live in the room. Purple possible bonus stuff after Ooh. we've after we've had diary. Oh, okay. So we, I'm going to freewheel this and see what we get away with. All right. Here it comes. Friday the... Saturday, 19th of July. Lorelei. Up at nine and into the shower. It had been such a hot night. Felt better after a shower, 
and went down to breakfast and said hello to the web Germany. Marcus, Jörg, Alex, Dirk and Stefan. It was good to see them again and pass on congratulations for Germany's World Cup victory last Saturday. Was it only last week? Everyone seemed well and happy. We left for soundcheck around 9.40 and I jumped into a BMW with Steve R. Dirk drove along the Rhine which cuts through the beautiful towering landscape of wooded hills dotted with old castles, churches and dreamlike old German houses. A railway runs in and out of tunnels alongside each bank of the river and whenever a train passes, the entire vista takes on the feeling of a model railway perfectly laid out between hillsides and model buildings, except that it's one-to-one scale. We wound our way up the hillside roads and arrived at the top where the Lorelei Amphitheatre sits. A Lorelei is the name given to a mermaid-like water spirit, an old German mythology, no doubt inspired by the romantic notions of sexually frustrated river sailors. We've played here before, a few years back. Last time, the sound on and off stage was great, a combination of a good-sounding space and well-designed and maintained German audio equipment, so I was looking forward to the experience. Soundcheck progressed well and everyone seemed happy with their gear, so I returned to the hotel. This time I seemed to have Dirk to myself, so I sat in the front and enjoyed the air conditioning. The temperature outside was already in the high 20s, and it was only 11am. Back at the hotel, I dropped my bag in my room, up four flights of stairs, not ideal for a man with a torn meniscus cartilage, and returned downstairs to ask Werner with the Yorkshire accent for a cup of coffee. Phil Brown appeared and suggested a walk along the river. So off we went, stopping briefly at the strange shop down the road, full of crucifixes and candles and ornaments no sane person would want. For an ice cream. That's three magnums I've consumed in under 24 hours. We walked along the river and sat on a bench for a while, watching the passing barges and contemplating the number of trucks you'd have to put on the roads to move all that cargo. Germany, like Holland, seems to just work, unlike Britain, where we seem to just constantly make do. It was too hot to sit there for long, so we returned along the river and went looking for a bite of lunch. Decided to try a bar opposite our hotel, which looked like the food might be good. It wasn't, and neither was the service. Phil and I sat at the outside tables, listening to bizarre German music playing from loudspeakers. At one point we heard Delilah, the Tom Jones hit, sung with great gusto in German, while watching a German tourist photographing a cigarette machine on a wall. I was just commenting that I haven't seen a cigarette machine for years, when a monk walked past us and into the bar. He was a perfect Benedictine monk, in dark brown habit, tied at the waist with rope, sandals, etc. Went back up to my rooftop room to lie perspiring on the bed in the dark. Sent text to Lynetta to say I was back if she wanted to call me. Telly continued to be depressing, and I eventually nodded off for a while. We'd arranged to leave the hotel at 7.30 to go back up to the amphitheatre and check out the opening band, Anathema. 
When we arrived, they were already on stage. Watched from the side of stage for a little while. They were singing well. Wandered down to the bar overlooking the river. A fabulous spot to watch the sunset over the valley of the Rhine stretching out below. This bar is open to the public, so I posed for photographs and allowed myself to feel famous for half an hour. Joined soon after by Pete and Fiona Travers, Lucy and Stephanie Bradley, and Phil Brown and Nick Todd. Lucy showed me a photograph of a banner she'd spotted in the crowd. It said, quote, Marillion, Frankfurt Air Traffic Controllers, exclamation mark, on it. We have fans in high places. I wonder if they'd known which plane we were on. Showtime beckoned, so we returned backstage to get changed and ready. Said hello to old roadie Smick, now living and working in Sweden, who had happened along to see us. He's in Germany to watch the Grand Prix and thought he'd drive over. It was good to see him. He split up with his wife Helen, who he'd met during our long spell at Stambridge Farm near Brighton, writing Holidays in Eden back in 1990. A shame. He looked well, bearded and tanned. I don't think he'd have looked out of place in the Swedish royal family. Hit the stage at ten and began with Gaza, trying to contain my anger at what I was singing. 330 dead in a week and rising at a rate of 50 a day. Many children. So far, one Israeli soldier and three young men kidnapped and murdered by, according to Israel, Hamas although Hamas have denied responsibility for it. The world does nothing, says the song, and apart from UN public declarations deploring Israel's actions, that's about it. I felt good tonight, and I was singing well. My sound was good, and the crowd and I were up for it. The evening had cooled to comfortable mid-twenties for the crowd. Perfect, really. The two sit-down songs, Fantastic Place and Sounds That Can't Be Made, went well. During Cover My Eyes, I ran out into the crowd and sang the song from out front, taking a walk up to the mixing desks. Phil Brown had been badgering me to do it all day, so off I went. Unfortunately, the follow-spot operators weren't psychic and lost me, so I performed the song in the dark among the crowd. It was kind of cool, though, that I'd vanished. Mark later told me that he couldn't see me from the stage, but could follow my progress by the camera flashes in the crowd. And then when I returned to the stage, walking down the central division of the amphitheatre, he said it looked like Moses parting the Red Sea. When I got to the front, I was prevented from returning to the stage by the crowd crash barriers. In my current state, awaiting a right knee operation, I decided against trying to climb over, so I looked at the crowd and made a gesture with my thumb. They promptly hauled me into the air, over the barrier, and set me down gently on the other side. Bless them. That shit makes you feel very powerful and very loved. Kaylee, Lavender and Heart of Lothian followed, and naturally the crowd loved it. I sang the whole set with soul tonight and was very pleased with it as a vocal performance. I can't often say that. It's so hard to remain in that place, but tonight I was there more or less throughout. Plans to encore with this strange engine before Neverland were abandoned as we were going to overrun the midnight curfew, so we returned to the encore and played only Neverland.
This song suits my range and spirit about as well as anything we've ever written, and again I felt good about every aspect of it, remaining connected to the words and the crowd throughout. Thank you, Lorelei. Really lovely. Didn't stay long afterwards. The dressing room was too hot to hang out, so I got changed quickly and staggered back down the fire escape-style staircase, where everyone seemed happy with the show. The editor of the influential German Eclipsed magazine said, quote, Tonight Steve Hogarth conquered Lorelei. Well, I'm glad he thought so. It can't do any harm. Back to the hotel, down the winding roads to the river, wishing we could slow down a bit, what with all the tequila and Red Bull sloshing around inside me. At the hotel, I asked if there was anything to eat, and Verna provided meatballs and a pickle. I ate this with bread and a mug of hot chocolate, a strange combo, guaranteeing indigestion before bed. Didn't stay up long, went to bed and slept well in between bouts of raging heartburn. And we're back! And while while we were getting ready for, I don't know whether it was the day of uh, Camden or the day before, an email dropped into the pair of us from uh, Ms. Jordash, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah she'd obviously um, woken up in the middle of the night. With, yeah, she with, must have been... With thoughts. With thoughts. And she's taken an interest in in TCD and how how we can do more with TCD, which <laughs> Just... excites me and scares me at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a gag there, but I'm not going there. You carry no, don't go on. There. You carry don't on. Don't go there. Um, but she came up with some ideas, and what I thought we'd do now, let's talk about whether we can put at least one of these ideas in place before Christmas. Ooh. So here's my idea, and, and if this doesn't happen, folks, it's because the next section of conversation, you go, oh, for fuck's sake, we're not doing that. So that's, that's still a possibility. Right. Possibly. But here's my idea. I think... Between now and Christmas, we should record two Q&As and we should get the purples who ask the questions that we pick onto the Zoom to post their own questions themselves. All right. Oh, that could be nice. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to do that. So what we'd have to do, and this is where it gets a little bit technical because I appreciate that everybody's out there in different time zones. So what we'd probably do, and we'll talk about it a bit after when we go off air, is that we'll come up with a couple of recording times, probably one sort of maybe in a morning and then one maybe in an evening. So we try and incorporate people who are in different places. And then it will be open to purples only. It will be a purple only thing. And we'll create some way on Patreon of collecting the questions. So these are going to, all going to be fresh. We're not going to go through the guest book. All fresh questions. So we invite mm. everybody to put a fresh question in. Right. And then we'll pick, what, four or five? Do you reckon we normally get through about five questions in a Yeah. In a it Q&A, can be yeah. an old question you've asked before if I haven't addressed it. So it doesn't have to be new, new, but it has to be fresh. It has to be fresh. Mm. It has to be fresh. And we'll... I think we should try and do that for a late November one. So effectively November's, which we should really be doing this week, we'll put back a, a few days, let you get over where you are. We'll try and do a late November one, and then we'll try and do a Christmas one. Okay. So actually what we'll probably say is first one's general, and second one, if you could make it Christmas-themed or festive-themed, even better. 
you stand more chance of getting on with a festive theme question for the second one. Could I just point out that it's already late November? Yes, that's why we're already running. We're always behind, though, aren't we? Me and you are always behind. Oh, extra content. oh we're behind. Yeah, that's true, we are behind. Yeah, we did a we did a odds and croon, but we didn't do a and a in November, so we're already behind. Oh, God. Right, OK. But we'll try and throw bundle it all, wrap it up, Christmas wrap it, put it out for Christmas, get a bit of extra stuff out there in December. Yes, there's a little, little, yeah, there's a little Christmas thank you. Um, so... Look out, Purples, for information. I'll probably put a post out, or one of us will put a post out as, with a few more instructions. But get yourself ready. Start thinking about some Q&A questions, and probably ten of you will end up joining us on a Zoom. You have to be well-behaved. You have to be well-behaved. <laughs> Compared to what? Us? Us. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll, we'll do that over the next few weeks. So look out for that. So that's number one thing I was going to throw into you. But the other thing, and I think this is a, quite a question and a conversation for the Purples as well as for us. Lucy came up with a brilliant idea, which is maybe that we move away from birthday cards but move to Christmas cards. What do you think about that? Oh, um, mm. well, the thing is, yeah, no, I th- I th- it would obviously make my life a lot easier in the sense that I'd, I'd just have to do them all at once. In one month, instead of, you know, that constant uh, three or four every day, which is how my life is at the moment, uh, punctuated with, um, you know, when I'm touring or if I'm away on holiday, I have to try and get them all written and mm. and somehow, you know, and I know I don't always manage it, but I do try and, and, and post them so they arrive on your birthday. I know some of them are up sometimes late. Um but um, doing the Christmas ones would eradicate that, uh, which would be handy, and it would it would probably free my life up a little bit for, uh, or free the first first hour of my day up a little bit. In fact, I'm come to think of it, I've I've got to write a couple today that I haven't written yet. <laughs> I've got to catch the post at four. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting idea. It'll it it, it would make my life. A bit, a bit simpler. I wouldn't need all the. I wouldn't need all the spreadsheets. I wouldn't need the birthdays. I'd just need the addresses, mm. and I could just bank send them all out. You know, so that might not be a bad idea. I think that's quite a good idea. Okay, well, uh, we'll- but I, but I, then I'll think people are going to feel cheated. A lot of the newbies, who, for instance, have got a birthday on the twenty sixth of January. Are going to think I've waited all year for this, and now he's yeah. rolled round and he's he's canned the whole thing. So it's sort of it's good, but it's tinged with a. I don't want to tell people I will send them a birthday card and then not send them. And then not. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Maybe we need to. Maybe so. What we're really saying is, it's the transition. How do we transition into it? Yeah. Um, which might need a bit of work. Yes, it is, it is. There's probably a way. I do have in my spreadsheet, or available as data anyway. I have all the all the how long everybody's been a patron, so I can go back to everyone who's had a card once at least since they went purple, and I could just carry on sending cards to the people who've never had one. Yeah. Until they've run out. Yeah. I could do that. Um. 
because people have already, as you know yourself, people have already been writing in saying, look, it's lovely, but I've got four of these now. And I don't mind if you don't send me any more. I know it's a lot of work, put your feet up sort of thing. And I appreciate people saying that. But it's it's hard just to stop dead because there are those people out there who've who've no, got who've, yeah or or who've got four and quite like a fifth one. Mm. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll maybe I'll maybe go look. Anybody who's anyone who's had a card already, I'll we'll stop then, and I'll do Christmas cards. But anyone who hasn't had a card, I'll I'll send them a birthday card when it when the time comes. And of course, the beauty of doing Christmas cards is they would be different every year because we could do a run for one year and then do a different one the next year. Yes. Yes, I could draw Christmas puddings on them instead of birthday yeah. cakes as well. I do quite a good Christmas pudding. Well, I was thinking more of the actual design, the actual front of it as well. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, I bet you do do a good Christmas pudding. Do they, did, can you do one or do you have to feel the need to do a pair? They don't taste great. Uh I hate Christmas pudding. Oh, no, I'm on about my drawings. All right. Uh, uh, I do do a good Christmas pudding, but you do need a lot of custard on it. Um, no, I only do one, but but right. always with two holly leaves on. Right. And a couple of berries. I don't know if that's quicker than six candles. They take a while. The, the cakes take a while, you know. I don't just jot them out. No. They just... Yeah, just care. You have to care. Yeah, and you do care. I do. And I don't think anybody's suggesting that that you, that you don't. I but do maybe care. just moving it around a bit might be quite might be quite nice. Could be a giggle. Yes. Okay. Yes. So let's that, say we're going to do that, but but with all the caveats that I've already rambled through earlier. And and by the way, now's the time. If you're purple, um, and obviously everybody who isn't a patron, and it's fine not to be a patron. You don't you don't have to be, and you still get the. The, the content of this and the other, but we are talking specifically to our wonderful purples now who who uh, who do support the podcast. So let us know. Just drop us a line. It's um, it's handy to know. And if you haven't had a card yet, and you have, you will get a card. You'll get at least one. My granddad used to do this. He used to go, "Butty tinks, butty tinks," and it which <laughs> which I think. <laughs> was him attempting to say, what do you think, in a kind of, I don't know. I don't know what he was trying to do. Maybe he was trying to be Jewish, you know, and that sort of <laughs> Fagin-y... The kind of a Fagin Oliver Twist way. Fagin-y <laughs> kind of way. He used to go, Botcher Tinks. And I used to think, what's he on about? And it took me years to, to crack that he meant, I think he meant, what do you think? Anyway, I, that just exploded in my head. So um, I'm not being anti-Semitic. It was my grandfather. It's nothing to do with me. But I, I thought it was an odd thing to do. I don't think he was being anti-Semitic either, really. No, he probably knew a bloke who did it, yeah. you know, for real. And uh, it had caught on. <laughs> I, I, I don't know whether whether I should, I should suggest this, but I'd quite like to see you record that and pop it on Instagram. <laughs> but I don't know whether that What's might be... <laughs> What do you think? That might be fraught with danger. I think it's brilliant. I thought well, it was lovely. They'll just think I've lost my mind. I don't, I don't think anyone could be offended. By, no, I know. In which case, by, do that then. There's your Instagram post for this week. They'll think it's Welsh or something. It'll be fine. 
<laughs> and, the, and the final thing of Lucy's ideas, and I really like this one, and we've talked about this this one, but maybe next year it should be the year that we do this. Mm. Lucy thinks we should we should find a venue mm. and uh, for a, a couple of hundred people or whatever, and record one of these live in a venue and give people the opportunity to come and be involved in actually the recording process. Now, people going out and doing podcasts live is big business. It is. Maybe maybe now is a time for the purples, and the, and this could be open to non-purples as well. It doesn't have to be a purple thing, but I think it probably would be a purple thing. Let us know. Should we try and find a venue somewhere, somewhere, I don't know, Midlands, London, somewhere? Should we find a little room somewhere to do one of these live? Would you, If we did, would you come? Basically? Right. Well, I would. Well, I, would, I was waiting for that one. Because <laughs> if you had said nah... Do it on your own. You don't need me, Aunt. You've grown. You've grown. Uh, you don't. Uh, How's your ego going? Do you have? Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and go, "Do you know, I don't need that fucker anymore. I could do this on my own." I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> I couldn't do it without you, dear. I'll tell well, you. None of this works without you know. <laughs> without this. Without this. <laughs> But no, if you fancy coming, if people would you come, folks? Would you, if we if we found a room somewhere, would you would you come along to a recording of this? We get a, we get a keyboard there. We could do a diary reading. We could do as much of it as we normally would would do it. We'd keep keep the audio in for an episode. Maybe might be a diary reading, might have heard before or what have you. But would you come for an evening of this? Do you know where it would be great to do it? Go on, Cleck Eaton. Oh yes, it's got to be Cleck Eaton <laughs> or Hackney Wark. <laughs> Absolute swine to get to for me though, <laughs> but it would be amusing. But it's another one of your great ideas that turns out to be a ball ache for you, doesn't it? I know exactly. what we'll do. Let's do birthday cards. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I said, <laughs> "Yeah." You said, "Are you sure?" I think. I think I that did. was something you said. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I only said it I once. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, I was eat up. Yeah. So that's the, the final thing then, 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 people. Let us know what you think. If we were to try and find some point February, March time next year and do one of these in a room, would you come? Hmm. Would you come? Yeah, I and can't we, guarantee Cleck Eaton. That might be mental. That would be daft. We'd probably look in somewhere middle of the country. In the middle of the country, the yeah. Village Hall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> village, yeah your village hall. Short walk. <laughs> well, the thing is, if we did it at your village, everybody knows where that is. Everyone could come around our house after <laughs> for a do. drink. <laughs> would, would she knock up some jam, that lady in the big house? <sighs> she's in Rio at the moment, so I don't know. She's she's thin on the ground. I think her uh, I think her hedge fund took off again. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, somebody was telling me. One of the more financy sort of person persons in the village said it's taken off again, and it's it's now the world's most successful hedge fund. <laughs> and so she's a bit thin on the ground again. So she's probably just sticking another billion away somewhere. Um, so she hasn't had time to make jam, or maybe it's just the wrong time of year. But we've not had any jam for a while. But she did send some. What did she send last time? Was it plum or cherry? Oh, it was lovely. Cherry compote, I think she dropped round the back. Um, and her husband, Randall, came to the gig. 
Did I introduce you to Randall? Maybe I didn't. Maybe you John weren't just... capable of introducing me no, to anybody. You when w- I well, you. you wouldn't have understood. I, I wasn't forming words, was I? Really, at that point, so you, you weren't forming. I'd have gone. Had to be. Well, is it about? Has I done? And you'd have gone. I beg your pardon. And I'd have given up. You were you were stood there just grinning, and I gave you a hug and, and kind of said, "Go and get some sleep." <laughs> you did. I remember you saying. That. Just go and get some sleep. Go and and lie down now. Just go and lie down. Just go and lie down. Maybe you should drop her a quick text now, not about jam, but see if she wants to finance your number plate. (laughs) Oh, no, I could could never freeload. Right. Not even from a billionaire? Because they are the best people to freeload from. No, but they're the worst as well because everybody's trying. So I wouldn't want to be that person. You know, it's like when you meet Neil Armstrong. You want to be that one person who doesn't say, what was it like? You yeah. can't tell me all about it. What was it like? Because yeah. everybody's going to say that to him. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's the same with billionaires, isn't it? Everyone who meets them is going to go, well, you don't fancy investing in this, do you? I have a little scheme. I can make you rich. <laughs> Stick with me. Stick with me. Right, well, I think we should wrap up for today because I think we've managed to garble through an hour quite nicely. We have. We have. Um, in fact, I'm just looking and we have. We've recorded 55 minutes. <laughs> of pure gold. Of pure gold. All being well. Pure gold. All being well. Yes. Okay, well, maybe next time we'll try to get onto Friends from the Orchestra. Right, I'm going to swat it up. Swat up. <laughs> I've been saying that now for some weeks. I know. I, know. I did actually I know. have a chat with Mike Hunter about his recollections of it. But that was so long ago, I've forgotten those as well. So he put his head in his hands. <laughs> he sort of did. Well, we'll pick up on that next time when we talk about friends from the orchestra. Okay then. And in the meantime, <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you next time. We'll see you next week. We won't. We'll hear you. Ne- no, you'll hear us next week. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.